Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com, or you're invited to reach out to me directly. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. You know, I'm excited about today's show because we're going to share a tool with you that you you may be somewhat familiar with, but maybe most of us are not using it enough. Let's say that you have some money in the stock market and you'd like to diversify into something you know really well, and that might be real estate, right? Or let's say that uh, you are a general partner, you've got a uh, transaction you're investing in or developing, and you're looking for some investors to come in, into your deal. Uh, we're going to talk about self-directed IRAs and how to use those to go into real estate uh, uh, deals, what the, how you do it, what the properties are well suited for, what the cost is, on some gotchas, which you have to watch out for. And then we're talking about the advantages, uh, the tax advantages and otherwise of doing uh, investing in real estate through a self-directed IRA. Please welcome my guest. It's Matt Sorensen. He is CEO of Directed IRA. Matt, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here. Of course, talking about my two favorite things, IRAs and real estate. So I'm always in for that. Thanks for having me. There you go. And let's start with, uh, you know, why uh, investors who maybe uh, have some money in the, in the stock market or otherwise uh, in their yeah. IRA, how, why they might want to use a self-directed IRA to invest in something like uh, real estate. Well, I think um, as valuations in the stock market years ago were getting high, it was interesting. We saw so many clients coming to us and saying, hey, I just want to buy real estate. It's more tried and true. It can get cash flow. It appreciates. All things people love about real estate, it's tangible. And then, you know, recently this last year, we've seen more clients come to us from an op opposite perspective of not the stock market's overpriced. Oh my gosh, I'm on the roller coaster and my accounts now, you know, my 401k is a 201k now. And I want to, I'd rather be in real estate. And so, um, so we like clients to just know there are other options. You know, you don't just have to be 100% invested in the stock market and a stock or a mutual fund with an IRA or 401k. You actually can buy real estate with your retirement account or invest in an LLC or a limited partnership that owns a bigger piece of real estate. These are very, very common strategies we're doing here every day. Like every day someone's buying real estate in their IRA account here. Yeah, that that's awesome. And I think this, the reason I wanted to cover this with you today is I think it's a tool that a lot of people have forgotten about or, or maybe uh, don't even know about. So an investor yeah. could go into a, a limited partnership you mentioned uh, as, a, as a partner with maybe smaller amounts of money, depending on the deal, right? Uh, what they allow. Yeah. And also they could buy a property severally, right? If they have enough money in the account to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could do, it could be the duplex down the street, could be an LLC with 10, 100,000 other people that's buying commercial, multifamily, whatever it may be. Um, I mean, we've had clients buy literally air rights, water rights, lots of different things that kind of get into the real estate space. So um, these are all definitely things retirement accounts can own. The, the problem has been is the financial services industry, you know, the people who sell stocks, bonds, and mutual funds are mostly the providers of IRAs or 401ks. So their message to you is, 
what can you buy in your IRA? Well, it's what we happen to sell. We sell stocks, bonds, and mutual funds here at Merrill Lynch. So that's what we let your IRA buy. So people can always do this with their IRA or 401k. They're just going to need to move their account from, say, the Fidelity, the Merrill Lynch, who sell financial products, over to a provider of IRAs that are typically called self-directed custodians. And, and you know that's what our company is. We're one of maybe 30 out there that will let your account invest in real estate, invest in an LLC or limited partnership, and kind of get off the full stock market mutual fund um, uh, opportunity only. So, so it's out there. It's kind of been a surprise to some people, but it's really just a... Uh, it's kind of a symptom of the industry. The financial services is dominated. So, but also as my first point here too, is most people need to move, whether that's, they got, you know, 300 grand at an old 401k or an IRA at TD Ameritrade, they're typically need to move that account or a portion of it they want to do real estate with over to a self-directed IRA custodian who will then let that account be invested into real estate. Okay. And let's talk about that, that custodian like you guys, yeah. what does the custodian do and not do? I assume you're not doing your tax advice or, or legal advice per se, and yeah. you're, not, you're not helping them buy and sell real estate, right? What's the custodian do? Yeah. So basically, you for IRAs, you have to have a custodian of the account under the tax code, and they have to file paperwork to the IRS. It's called a 5498 for your account every year. They have to manage your contributions and distributions, and whether you do a Roth conversion and send you 1099s, you get quarterly statements. So you have to have a provider of your IRA account. You can't do it yourself. Um, and so the self-directed custodians, that's what their function is. And it's self-directed in the sense that you tell the custodian what you want to invest into. You want to invest in XYZ limited partnership doing this commercial real estate deal. Great. You want to invest in this duplex down the street. Great. You know, we've had clients invest in Mexican soccer teams and racehorses and cattle, livestock, I mean, whatever, you know, <laughs> those are the more kind of rare ones, but, um, but you make the decision on what to invest in. Your custodian is not giving you the investment opportunities. They're not telling you what to invest in or what not to invest in, frankly. Um, you're the one in control of the account. So but you do need to get your own tax and legal advice too, and or even financial advice if you want an advisor. So for the individual investor, you either take control and do it yourself, or you got to go enlist the advisors. The custodian is is basically managing the account in terms of upon your direction and instruction. Great. And let's talk about then some of the, the guidelines, right? What can, uh, what can you not do and, 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 uh, yeah. inside of these? The, the main thing is something called the prohibited transaction rules. And I actually wrote the number one book on self-directed IRAs, the self-directed IRA handbook. I got like five chapters in my book on it. Um, but it's used in these, most companies in the industry actually use my book to train their employees. It's used by the national association in the space for certification training. Um, but the primitive transaction is really what it boils down to. Um, and that is a rule that essentially says your retirement account cannot transact with yourself or your spouse or your kids or your parents. And the easiest way to think about this is, is if you already own real estate, your IRA can't come and buy it from you. Or if you already own a limited partnership interest or an LLC interest personally, your IRA can't come buy it out from you. So we can't move assets from us personally or from our spouse or our kids or parents over to our IRA. That was a rule Congress put in because they thought people would move assets around from their personal side into their retirement account and then sell the assets and not pay any tax. And right, that'd be a cool tax strategy, but they thought about that. So so we can't do that. And we also can't do what's have what's called self-dealing. We can't unfairly benefit from our our investments that our retirement account makes. The the common one that comes up for real estate is 
let's say that you're a licensed broker, you know, real estate agent or broker, your IRA makes an investment transaction in real estate and there's a broker agent commission. Well, you can't receive the commission because now you're benefiting because your retirement account made an investment. So you can't financially benefit because your retirement account makes an investment. That's called self-dealing. If you own a property, let's say you just own a vacation rental, even just keep something simple. You can't go stay at the property. Even if it's like vacant for a week and no one's staying there, you personally can't stay there, your spouse, your kids, your parents. So think of this for as investing separate from you. Don't mix it in with your personal stuff. Don't transact with your personal stuff and don't be making money personally. That's really where you have this prohibited transaction issue, which you want to avoid. Because if you do have a prohibited transaction, you lose the entire account. Like your retirement account's disqualified. It's distributed. You pay tax on it. If you're below 59 and a half, you pay the penalty. So we want to avoid having any privileged transactions. Okay. And that would include uh, being paid, paying yourself to, to manage the property, right? You, you can do exactly. that. Right. Yep. Someone's okay. done that. There's cases on that. Okay. <laughs> you can't do that. And then would it also include uh, maybe if you bought a property uh, and then you, uh, uh, let's say Michael Bull bought a property personally with my self-directed IRA, and then I leased it to a separate entity called Bull Realty Inc., uh, that yeah. I happen to own, uh, that's not allowed yeah. as well, right? Not allowed either. There's a revenue ruling on that. Someone asked that question, can I do it? Um, another one that I've had with some clients where you had to do some structuring was, you know, they were a real estate developer and they bought land. They wanted to kind of paper develop essentially. They had to do some environmental stuff on the property. Well, they want to just use their construction company to go do the work. Well, you couldn't do that. That's going to also be, we can't improve the property or or provide the value from our own person or our own company. Now the IRA could hire someone else to come do it, some other construction company or contractor, but it couldn't be your own company because they don't want your companies transacting and getting in the deal when your IRA owns 50% or more of it. Okay, now let's talk about uh, uh, debt because I guess if I'm paying million dollars cash for a property, I have that much in my self-directed IRA, then I can just do that. But what if I want to do, uh, um, you know, 40, 50% financing and finance half of it. Can I do that? Yeah. So you can, you need to go, what's called a non-recourse loan. So a non-recourse loan is basically a loan where the bank says, Hey, we're going to lend money on the property in the event of default. We're simply going to foreclose and take the property back. We're not going to go after the IRA. We're not going to go after you personally. And the reason you have to do that type of loan is there's something called an extension of credit prohibited transaction. And in an extension of credit prohibited transaction, what happens is you can't guarantee, nor can your IRA guarantee debt. So we're avoiding that by doing the non-recourse loan. Uh, if you go to directira.com on our resource page, there's about six different banks that kind of specialize in doing these non-recourse loans for retirement accounts buying real estate. So um, you want to make sure you work with them because they have loan programs and loan officers that know exactly how to do them for IRAs or 401ks buying real estate. Uh, but essentially it's possible just got to be non-recourse. Right. Now, the, the normal CMBS loans are non-recourse, but they have kind of bad boy carve-outs, right, That where you could yes. be liable. How does that impact this? It depends on the bad boy carve-outs. See, I've reviewed these many years. I'm an attorney also, and I've represented a lot of real estate um, developers, investors, and I've reviewed lots of these, done borrows, opinion letters, and such. Um, if, they limit, if they are limited truly to fraud carve-outs, it's okay to sign that. Um, and we don't think that that constitutes an extension of credit prohibited transaction. This is Matt, the lawyer, you know. However, I've read many of these over the years as an attorney, and I don't practice law anymore. I'm running directed IRA, but I've read many of these over the years where 
the the fraud carve outs are really like an overreach. It's basically a personal guarantee they've made look like it's just these bad boy fraud carve outs. So stuff like, you know, uh, if you use the rental payments, otherwise improve the property and don't apply it to the mortgage, you know, well, uh, what is improve? Am I repairing the property? There's some of these things that just sounds like a personal guarantee. And so, um, so it's possible. I just want to be careful that the fraud car routes don't overreach and amount to actually a personal guarantee. All right. Good point. And then let's talk about, um, the uh, funding uh, out of the account for the property. So let's say I buy that million dollar property, I get a non-recourse uh, loan for, for 50% of it, but then I found out I'm a year in, I need to put uh, some more money into the uh, to, to the transaction for tenant improvement dollars, rehab, uh, vacancy loss, or what have you. Um, so the IRA would need to fund it. Um, so because if the retirement account owns it from the beginning, the retirement account's got to fund it. So hopefully you have enough money in the retirement account to cover that, or you can roll over money from other retirement accounts that might be in the market or doing something else. Um, so that's the easiest and that's just called an additional investment into the asset. Um, that we do that all the time, of course, but, um, if someone doesn't have the money, that's when it becomes tricky because you're needing to bring in some third party to help fund this deal because you can't just personally fund it. Like if your IRA owns the asset and you've got to put money in to improve or to maintain the property or whatever, you know, you can't personally come in and save your IRA and pay those costs. That would cause these prohibited transactions. Um, there is something called, there's a, a revenue ruling called Re revenue ruling 80-26, which is a way you can actually loan money from yourself to your IRA to, for an emergency purpose to avoid losing an asset. Um, it's very rarely used, but there is ways if you had to do it to try to rely on this exemption. Um, but the, the main rule is the retirement account's got to have the funds, whether you roll over or transfer, have other dollars in the account, it should be coming from the retirement account to fund any additional expenses. Yeah. And that's interesting. So, you know, that makes certain properties, I think in commercial real estate, uh, maybe more suitable, maybe, uh, going into a limited partnership where your, your limited exposure is your original investment. Um, uh, unless you yeah. decide to put more into it, or maybe a single tenant net lease investment property that's true triple net, where traditionally you don't really have any costs uh, uh, to deal with. Um, and let's talk about uh, the tax advantages, right? There's some real tax advantages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people love retirement accounts because you don't pay tax when you make money, right? I mean, the, the same thing if I, I bought, you know, Facebook stock for $100,000, about $100,000 dollars worth of shares of Facebook stock and I sell it for 150 grand, well, that $50,000 gain, I don't pay any tax on, right? That goes back into my retirement account, no tax. Well, it works the same for real estate. If I bought a property for 100,000, I sell it for 150, that 150 goes back into my retirement account. I don't pay any taxes. You know, in the commercial space, it works the same way. There's one thing that IRAs have to worry about though, and that's called a, a tax called UDFI or unrelated debt financed income tax. Where IRAs do pay a tax on the debt, I can explain that more, but it's it's a nominal tax, I'll say, once you run the actual numbers on it. So retirement accounts are getting this tax deferred if it's traditional or tax-free when it comes out for Roth accounts. Um, and you're not paying capital gains tax. You don't have to do a 1031 when you sell a property. Um, the wealth is building up in the account until you're hitting 59 and a half to draw out. And what are the different types of uh, self-directed IRAs that you see are used? 
I mean, the two most common is just a traditional IRA, which most of those are frankly funded from someone's old employer 401k. You know, there's $35 trillion in retirement accounts in the US. You said again, $35 trillion in retirement accounts in the US. The biggest bucket now, which this is new in the last few years, is actually IRAs. That includes traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. The reason that's the biggest bucket and where the most dollars are now is because people have rolled over old employer 401k plans, pension plans, whatever it may be, into IRAs. And they're self-directing them. They're otherwise, you know, Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or wherever. But um, I, traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs are going to be the most common. But we have clients with, with, of course, solo 401ks are popular for self-employed people, health savings accounts. We have clients that self-direct. I actually self-direct my health savings account too. Covered education savings plans can be self-directed, SEP IRAs, all those things. But I'd probably say for us, I'd say 80% of our accounts are either traditional IRAs or Roth IRAs. Okay. Matt, let's uh, do an example. Let's say a sponsor comes to to me, one of our listeners or viewers, and we're going to yeah. invest, say, $100,000 as a limited partner into the the sponsor's uh, transaction. Can that, first of all, can that, obviously, we can be an ongoing uh, income property I guess it can also be a development, new development. Sure. Okay. Yep. And then would uh, and then when I would contact you uh, and and transfer my account into a self-directed IRA, and then you guys help me fund that into the development deal or the, the real estate deal. Yeah. And and is and is the what does my entity look like? I guess it's not Michael Bull. Yeah. So you're going to be the, your account was with us. It'd be directed trust company FBO Michael Bull IRA. You know, that's what's going to be the the member if it's an LLC or limited partner in a limited partnership. If there's subscription documents for the fund, let's say, um, you know, you're going to be subscribing as directed trust company, FBO, Michael Bull, IRA. And so the money's going to come from us, right? You're going to have an account here. We're going to, your IRA with us is going to own the asset and receive any cash flow on it or any proceeds or distribution if the property sells and the fund gets closed out, whatever it may be. So, um, and that, that's a common mistake is people will just put their name on it. No, you don't own it. Your IRA does. And that gets titled in the name of the custodian. Yeah. Okay. And let's talk about typical timing and maybe sample uh, cost uh, for this process. Yeah. I would give yourself about two to three weeks. Like we can have an account. We do online accounts. You can open your account right now and it'd be, it'll be open within 24 hours with an account number and ready to fund. The biggest drag is going to be moving the money. Most people are that are self-directing and doing real estate, they're moving money from an IRA at Fidelity or you know TD Ameritrade, whatever it may be, um, or an old employer 401k at Vanguard. And moving the money takes the longest. Now, some companies like actually Fidelity, TD Ameritrade are pretty fast with IRAs, but some companies, particularly like an old employer 401k or LPL Financial, or you know, I don't call out some of the battle, there's some companies that'll literally take two to three weeks to send your money. Um, some companies will do it in two to three days. So it's just a process. It depends on the company that where your existing accounts are at. So as long as you give yourself two to three weeks, you'll be fine. Most clients can get it done in a week if you're at some of the better companies like TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Schwab. They, they move pretty quickly. So um, so that's going to be your biggest hangup is just getting the money over from where it's currently at. And we work with that. So we will do what's called a transfer request if it's IRA to IRA. Let's say your IRA is at Charles Schwab. We'll send a request to Charles Schwab to send the cash over to us. So what you'll want to do on your end, if let's say you're invested in the stock market, you want to sell any assets and get it to cash and then say, 
and then tell us, hey, I've got 100000 in cash over my Charles Schwab IRA. Make a cash transfer request for $100,000. We actually send it to them and it comes directly to us, institution, institution. Um, that usually happens within a few days with some of the better companies like Schwab. If you're an old employer 401k, you initiate it though. Let's, you have to initiate that request on their end and they send it to us. Okay. Can my self-directed IRA partner with me personally on buying property? Yes, but you have to be very, very careful. So because of the primitive transaction rule I mentioned earlier, we can't have your IRA and yourself transact between each other. So I can't buy and sell assets from myself to my IRA, but you can co-invest into something at the same time. So for example, you could set up an LLC that your IRA owns 50% and you own 50%. You fund the LLC with 50,000 of personal dollars, 50,000 of IRA dollars. You know, and this could be 60-40, if it was 60,000, 40,000, doesn't matter. We're gonna always set the ownership of the LLC based on the dollars invested. So that's a common structure. Sometimes clients will pool their money or maybe their IRA, their spouse's IRA, their personal funds into an LLC to go do a deal or buy a property. You can totally do that. Um, you know, I had this one, uh, set of clients There's about eight, eight guys. They all went to college engineering program together. They hit their late forties and they were, one of them had got into real estate and they had decided to buy an apartment building together. Some of them used IRA money, about half of them. Some of them used personal money. We just did a little LLC. Each of them put in about 200 grand each and they went out and bought, uh, an apartment building. And so, you know, you can just combine dollars from different sections of your personal, your IRA, or another person, another friend, your brother, your sister, whatever, into an LLC that can then go do a bigger deal. Um, and that's something we see common as well. Just small little groups, not a fund, just a small little group of friends or family that throw some money together, some mix of IRA and personal dollars. Okay. So in that example, then if I'm my self-directed IRA is partnering with me personally to acquire the property, and I assume yeah. then personally, I could have a uh, note that I am personally guaranteeing personally, but the self-directed IRA is just coming in as a limited partner with no liability on the loan. That would be okay that there is a loan on the property uh, that it, that uh, I, I would still like the loan to be non-recourse because your IRA is still involved. Technically, you could read the tax code and say, even in the LLC structure, even though you're personally in here, the IRA is getting the benefit of you guaranteeing the debt. So if your IRA's in even a little bit, I don't like letting you do a personal guarantee. It's I would say it's a gray area. It's not audit. That, there's not a case on that yet. But my sense is if it went to tax court, I would be telling a client, I think you're going to lose out this one. All right. Well, that depends thought, on the tax court judge you pull. But <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then I, then I hear you. Probably you shouldn't do it <laughs> if you're yeah going to do it safely. But if you're partnered with someone else, right, and then and they're exactly. personally guaranteeing the loan, it's no issue. Yeah, you know, I had this client. Um, he's a dentist. Was wanting to buy this. Um, uh, it's kind of like a, a retail property. I actually had a local hardware store that was the tenant in it, and um, that he was using just a small local bank. The bank was making him guarantee the loan, and I kept telling him, "You cannot guarantee the loan. It's going to disqualify your IRA. His IRA is buying at one hundred percent." Well, he went to the bank and he said can I get someone else to sign the loan? They're like, sure, as long as they're same credit quality as you, we don't frankly care. So we even got another friend of his that was a dentist to actually sign the personal guarantee. His IRA paid that person a $10,000 fee to be on the hook for the guarantee. His IRA was putting down almost 30% anyways. Uh, so there's plenty of equity there. But that was a little workaround that he did. Um, and you know, sometimes with the smaller banks that are holding these portfolio loans, you can do that. 
we've got to avoid signing on the debt with, with the IRAs, either go non-recourse, but like your example too, even if it's a 50-50 partner, it's like my IRA and you, Michael, personally, you know, you could assign the debt and my IRA's in, and that's totally cool. Someone else could be signing the debt and providing personal guarantees. It just can't be the IRA owner or their spouse, parents, kids, people disqualified to the IRA. All right. That makes sense. And let's get back to the cost. What would be a sample cost to, to do this? You know, we actually just looked at pricing as we were looking at our fee schedule compared to our competitors just recently. It's really around 500 bucks a year. When you boil it down, a lot of people in our industry do it on the size of your account. Um, and I would say at about a $250,000 balance, any company that does it on the size of your account, you're 500 plus. Um, and then an average self-directed account size is probably around 150 actually, but your fees are going to be 500 plus, I'd say even there. Um, some companies just do like a flat fee. Some p companies do it per asset that you have on your account. We just do a one asset fee, you know, and our fee is 295. Um, but uh, so I would say kind of on, we're on the low end. We, I mean, actually have a little small price increase quite honestly, but um, 300 would be on the low end. And I'd say on the high end around a thousand. Some of the companies in our space where you're going to pay me paying over a thousand, middle range is about 500. Yeah, well, it's very inexpensive when you consider the tax savings and the diversity that you can create uh, in your account, right? Yeah, and if you consider the average 401k fees is 1.5%, if you got a $100,000 401k, you're paying 1500 bucks. You just don't notice it because you're getting nickel and dime. So for someone with a $150,000 account, you know, paying 500 bucks, it's, it's a pretty good deal to what you're already paying in your 401k. You just don't see those dollars and cents coming out. Yeah. Is there anything that, uh, you know, gotchas or things that surprise people uh, about doing this? I would say the one to know is is that UDFI tax I mentioned from the investor standpoint. Um, I, there's a chapter in my book on it, and I've got some other resources on it. Um, but basically, when your IRA is investing in any asset, commercial real estate's classic, there's likely going to be debt on it. I know there's a lot of opportunities with no debt, and sometimes... Our clients are investing into funds that are debt funds that are funding commercial real estate. They're not owning the real estate. They're owning the debt that's on the real estate. But um, if you're buying like, the, you know, an equity position, an LLC or LP interest that's going to own a commercial property that's leveraged with debt, there is a tax called UDFI, Unrelated Debt Financed Income Tax, that basically makes some of the profits from the debt taxable because the IRS looks at that and says, well, if you put $100,000 in this property, you know, and you really there's 200,000 of debt for your 100,000 of cash that your IRA put in. The profits from the debt piece there, that wasn't retirement account dollars. So there's kind of this equation where you have to calculate some tax. Bottom line though, is with all the real estate losses you get to take, this can offset this tax year to year from the cash flow. Even if the property's cash flowing, a lot of them have tax losses, so you don't even need to worry about it. So it typically comes up at the time of sale. There's been a lot of appreciation. There's still debt on the property. This tax can come through, but it's always less tax than what you'd pay personally because the max rates, capital gains rate, and it's only on the debt piece. So it's always better than what you'll see on your personal side from a tax standpoint. So, but people sometimes get confused by that or they then talk to their account and their account flags this and they're like, no one told me about this. Well, this is me telling you about it. So just be aware of that make sure you understand how the, the calculation works. I got lots of resources on our site on that. Okay. And so the uh, when you when you do sell, the ultimately sell the property, the money goes back into your self-directed IRA and any cash right. flows during, uh, during the whole period, correct? 
Right. And that's why people love it. And, you know, we see lots of accounts here, of course, you know, we have over a billion in assets and fastest growing in the space. And, and so we've, we're seeing these deals happen. We're seeing the accounts accumulate with cash flow and, you know, properties getting sold and such. And so that's all building up in your account. And then you can go invest into the next deal. Or once you get enough to, you know, subscribe to the next property or deal you're looking at, um, that's what we're seeing clients do. But I think the message I think for people raising money though, is like, this is such a huge opportunity. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about from the investor standpoint and, you know, and how it benefits them as an investor and using this money and tax benefits, but oh my gosh, the person raising money to do a deal, this could be a game changer, this, this strategy alone. Yeah. If you're out there sponsoring uh, deals and you're looking for equity, uh, this may be uh, virtually untapped in some cases. Yeah. And I, we even had a, um, we had a, a hedge fund. It was funny. There was a hedge fund client that was going out to raise money. They actually did a, a hedge fund and they did a real estate fund. Um, but they had about 2,000 investors that they'd worked with in the past that were in their database. Most of them invested with them. Some of them were really close, but never didn't. But these were just, these were like legit people on their database. Okay. This wasn't cult. Um, we did one webinar with them and we opened 350 accounts. 350 people invested opened up accounts with us specifically to invest into their fund. These guys were like blown away because, and so was all their investor base. Cause they're like, we never knew that we could use our IRAs to invest in a private fund. We didn't know we could do real estate. They were like, uh, shocked at how much money they had raised. And so uh, with a little bit of education, just going to the people in your existing network or your existing investors that may have invested with you to say, do you actually have an IRA or 401k you'd want to get invested in this deal? could be huge. Um, and that's where one area where we focus on and with our business development team too, is trying to get that education out there to those that are raising money to their database, to their investors, just to make it easy for them to get people over, to open the accounts, to get the deals funded. You know, all we see our role really in there is just helping them unlock this money that frankly, the investors are dying. They have been in the stock market, like with a hangover lately, they're like, let me invest in something I actually know and care about. Yeah, especially when you think about you know, a, a self-directed IRA, IRA in general. I mean, it's a long-term vehicle, right, the, that yes. you're, you're bringing out the, the money at retirement time. And in commercial real estate, it's typically also, the most time, it's, it's a long-term hold, right? Yeah, and those investors are not waiting next month or next year to get their money back, right? Yeah. They know it's got to be in their retirement account. In fact, they're usually like, when we see clients sell, they're like, can we put it in your next deal? Because we got to get the money to work. You yeah. know, so they're actually like, they, they're a long-term mindset investor to the self-directed investor. Well, great. Well, we'll get this out to uh, about 60,000 sponsors and, and investors uh, out well, there across the country. And and uh, your website is directedira.com. We'll put a link to it in, in the uh, at the show website. And also, what's the uh, yep. name of your book again, Matt? It's the Self-Directed IRA Handbook. It's on Amazon. It's on my personal site, mattsorensen.com too. Um, yeah, it's only 20 bucks and it's kind of, you know, I was an attorney in 2006 trying to figure this out for my first client trying to buy real estate with an IRA. And I was, I'm like, I don't learn anything about this in law school, nothing on the bar exam. I'd never even heard of it, you know? Um, and I worked for a financial services company through law school. I'd never heard of it. Um, so I'd started learning about it. And, and really this was like five years of work of research clients paid for to figure out how to do it. And now it's kind of became the industry guide. So um, definitely trusted source, um, over a hundred citations, what you can and can't do. And I kind of go past all the other books in the space that say, you could do this, but 
talk to your tax or legal advisor. But I actually say, no, you can do this and here's how, and here's what not to do. And so um, it could be a really good resource. We have a podcast too, Directed IRA podcast, uh, Main Street Business Podcast, lots of resources. We're trying to just educate and provide information on this. That's great. And thanks for doing this. I think it's a great topic for, for the commercial real estate world and investors out there. So thanks for the book. Thanks for being on the show and uh, thanks for sharing it. Thanks, Michael. My pleasure. All right. And thank you, uh, audience, <laughs> whether you're watching or listening, thanks for joining us. And I, please uh, share the show. I think this is a great vehicle for a lot of us uh, in the industry. Let uh, share the wealth, pay it forward. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.